I guess, being brought up with that condition, I've built up quite a strong or a thick skin as into adversity and how to overcome this stuff. And yeah. um, I've, I've always, I've got, the, I've got a very hardworking attitude, and you know, you've got to work hard to get where you want in life. So um, hopefully that will reflect in my next career. Hopefully that's not for another like four, five, six years, but. When it does come, hopefully I'm in a good position. Um, but to be honest, I, I'd really like to do some motivational speaking or leadership talking um, with what I've experienced with my condition growing up and obviously yeah. playing rugby and being the only professional athlete playing a contact sport with cystic fibrosis. I think I have a good story and I can help help people out there, not only raise awareness for cystic fibrosis around the world, but also uh, be uh, a symbol of... I guess, hope to not only people that have CF but um, people that are just struggling with adversity because that's what I like to mm. see my message as, not just I don't want to be an inspiration to people that have CF but people that are facing challenges, how to overcome them and, you know, when adversity is in your face, like not to sit down but then stand up and take it, take it head on. And that, guys, was our special guest on episode 45 of Talking With TK, Nathan Charles. I'm Tristan Cannell, really excited to bring you today's episode. Nathan, currently a rugby union player over in the UK. He's currently playing for the Wasps after starting off with Bath earlier this season. He's a great hooker. He was previously with the Western Force, and he's also capped four times for the Wallabies. He's quite the talent. He's in his late 20s now, but he's doing great things and looking to set himself up also for life after footy. So it's quite the incredible story when you consider that Nathan at this stage is the only person in the whole world who is playing professional sport, contact sport, while carrying cystic fibrosis. So it's quite the story and I'm really, really glad he's coming on, hopefully spread a little bit of awareness and just tell his story. So please let your family and friends know about the show Tag him on any posts. Tag me in some posts. On Twitter, you can find me at Talking With TK. That's the same handle on Facebook or my personal page is just Tristan Cannell, K apostrophe N-E-L-L. Instagram, I'm Tristan Nell. So please, best way for me to grow the show and get Nathan's story out there to more and more people is for you to share it. So if you can do that, I'd be very, very grateful. Before we get Nathan on the show, just also a big shout out for everyone tuning in. Also, people that have subscribed for free via iTunes. If you don't have a connection via iTunes on your iPhone or on your desktop, please log on to the website, www.talkingwithtk.com. You'll find all the show notes, all the different podcasts, and also the what's What I Learned section that I've been doing lately. Just stripping out all the best quotes and advice from all my great guests and putting them into a, a bit of an educational piece. So you'll find that online at www.talkingwithtk.com. As I mentioned, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show via iTunes. And if you can, please leave me a five-star review. 
All right, guys, let's get straight to it. I introduce my special guest, Nathan Charles. All right, guys, my special guest is Nathan Charles. Nathan is a rugby union player for Wasps in the UK. He previously played with the Western Force here in Australia, and he's also capped four times for the Wallabies. I welcome Nathan Charles. Nathan, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me on the show today, Tristan. No worries at all, buddy. It's an absolute pleasure. Let's start with the current season. I know that you've just told me that you've you swapped clubs from Wasps, sorry, from Bath to Wasps. Tell us a little bit about the move and what's been happening in the current season over there in the UK. Um, yeah, I was, I've been with Bath for the last sort of six months, finished the season off with them and then came back uh, in the new season and was playing. Um, and then, yeah, contract sort of came up and was keen to stay on but had some opportunities elsewhere and you know, I just thought the best for my career to get come to Wasps. They're an exciting club, uh, quite successful and... Yeah, just saw it was better opportunities for myself at, the, at this point in time. Yeah, Nathan, when you're looking for a club, especially moving away from Australia, what are the key sort of things that are you, you're looking for? Um, I think success. I, I really want to be successful. I'd love to get some silverware into the cabinet um, and part of a team where I'm actually going to enjoy, enjoy playing my rugby. Um, the type of rugby I play compared to other hookers is, is very different, so... Um, I, I thought the rugby that the Wasps play suits my, my game down to a T. So it, it, there's, a, there's a couple of factors that you think about, but um, all in all, it's about where you think you, you would fit in best. Yeah, Nathan, you just mentioned that you play a little bit differently to other hookers. For people that haven't seen you play yet, what's that kind of point of difference between you and some of your other competitors? Um, I'd say uh, I've got quite a strong. Obviously, as a hook, you've got to be good at set piece. But I'd say I'm quite. I'd like to use my speed in more open space, um, and also the support play. So you know, hopefully those uh, rapid backs will make some breaks, and I'll be up Fat Man's Alley for the for the yeah. support. So um, yeah, no, I, that's the way I like to play, and yeah, I like to play with the ball in my hand a bit more too. Yeah, with both <clears> you, I saw that you were coming off the bench quite a lot. With Wasps now, are you looking more to go more into a starting role? Oh, I mean, you're always pushing for that, but like you, I'm happy to play a role. Um, and what the role is, if it's a starter or off a bench, then I, I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm happy to play a role to be to make the club as successful as it can be. Um, so you know, I'm. I'd like to play as much as I can, but if I'm better off coming off the bench, then so be it. But if they want me to start, then I'll also do that too. But I'm always going to strive to be the best I can be. Yeah. You're looking to kind of, at your age now, at 28, you've got a lot of experience under your belt as well. Are you looking to take more of a leadership role compared to Nathan Charles from like 10 years ago? Oh, I think that comes naturally, to be honest. I think um, 10 years ago, you're thinking about me, where as in now, I'm definitely thinking about we. Yeah. Um, of what what we can achieve instead of what I can achieve. So, um, yeah, I definitely just think that comes naturally um, and you sort of like just think about the team more often and what you can do to um, help the team move forward and, um, you know, help in any capacity that you can. Yeah, where do you think that comes from? Is that from being under really influential <laughs> leaders throughout your career and it just rubs off you naturally? Uh, yeah, I think, I, think, I think it probably can work 
both ways. I mean, I've had some really good leaders um, and then I've probably had some leaders that have worked differently and you sort of take things that you think work and what you don't think works. But also I just think that comes with experience. You've been, I've been a part of a few different clubs now and you see different things that work and um, you sort of take that under your wing and, and go, go with it. So, I mean, if you're not learning over those 10 years, I don't know what you're doing. So, yeah, I'm sort of like keep it keep an eye on what's happening and what I, yeah always what I can do to improve yeah have you been keeping an eye on the wallabies lately I saw I saw the part of the game yesterday but our game kicked off at 5 p.m so we uh, we only got to catch the first half I saw uh, yeah the the end result wasn't great but um, yeah I've sort of been keeping an eye on results but apart from that not not overly um, keeping in touch with it all yeah what have you made of it all because you know, after a slow start to the international season, they did improve a lot. You know, they obviously knocked over the All Blacks and things like that. What have you made of their performances over the entire international season? Uh, I, I definitely think they got humbled yesterday. Um, I think they really, you know, got brought down to back to earth mm. a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of players getting developed and brought through. Um, but yeah, I just think the consistency is probably one thing they look to to get, and that's probably one thing they haven't had um, as much lately. Yeah, they pull out a good performance, and they just seem don't, don't come and back it up the following week. But um, I think that'll come in time. Yeah, what's the goals for you now? Because I know you know you moved over to the UK now. Is there any chance that we'll be seeing you back in Australia and maybe pressing for the national team again? Oh, you never know. You ne- you'll never say no. But at this point in time, my my life's in Europe and. Um, I'm quite enjoying it, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, I haven't got to have. Oh, you'll never say no to opportunities. Yeah, for sure. What's it been like over there, actually living in a different country? Because I know that you played there previously about six years ago, and then you also went to France to play overseas as well. What's it been like actually living in the UK, and what are the different opportunities outside of rugby that you think might open up as well? Uh, I've really, I've really loved it. Um, it's been, it's been so refreshing. Um, Moving out of the Australian environment, um, coming into a different environment and um, being exposed to different things. It has been challenging. I've been really been challenged in certain areas, especially like set piece wise, it's extremely different. Mm. Um, but yeah, just the, the actual culture wise and stuff, it's fantastic. It's just a new experience, something I've never really experienced before. Um, and the only thing I probably don't like about it is the weather. It's getting a little <laughs> bit cold. A little bit cold and dark too early. Four o'clock in dark is not 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 play on for me. So um, yeah, th- th- those that's another challenge in itself. But um, it's just it's just a different way of living. Um, it's hard to explain if you haven't been to Europe, but it just offers different um, ways of living, different people, different cultures. You know, people talk differently over here, and um, you know they just they're just different. So it um, it just uh, like going to a different school i guess you're just learning new things uh, new people and building relationships and that's what rugby's all about is you know forming relationships having fun with your mates on the field and enjoying their company off the field as well so yeah yeah what's wasp like as a club is it very multicultural in terms of having aussies kiwis british people what's the mix of the team <laughs> to be honest compared to bath bath had a lot of a lot of different uh, like Aussies, Kiwis, Saffirs, uh, English, Welsh, um, but wasps not so much. There's a, there's a there's probably like four or five South Africans, um, but apart from that, everyone else is English. I'm the only Aussie here, so I'm yeah. representing representing on my own. What's it like? Because there would be a fair few Aussies. I spoke to Matt Tamur the other day. You know, he's he's playing over in the UK as well, and there's there's a handful of you guys playing across the league. 
do you enjoy playing against the other boys and coming against the other Aussies? Oh yeah, yeah. Because especially when you know them, because you sort of automatically have that that connection straight away. You're, you're in the same position. You're playing in a different country, and you you know what it's been like back in Australia and stuff. So yeah, you do enjoy it, and it's always good to get one up on your your fellow <laughs> Aussie. So um, yeah, Matt's just living up the road from from where I am now. So I think we play them in a couple of weeks. So it'll be good to come up against him, and uh, yeah, go go well. Yeah, hopefully put a hit on him or two, eh? Yeah, one or two. <laughs> All right. Nate, take me back to the start because, you know, you kicked off back in Warunga for the Warunga Tigers in the other sevens. I know that your dad, your uncle, and your brother played as well, but you're very talented because you played both league and union at the same time. So take us back to the start and where that passion for rugby union just all, all came from. Yeah, I, th- I think just my family, always really sporty. Like I said, my... my immediate family all, all played in some capacity or watch, so you sort of brought up with it. Um, and then the area I grew up in, in Sydney, um, was dominated by rugby league. So at my primary school, that's all they played. So it was just easy to jump straight into that. Um, and then, yeah, also just played rugby union on the side as well. So um, I just loved being active. And um, I guess when you just brought up with the rugby ball in your hand, that's the direction you usually take. So... Um, I always enjoyed it, and I always lived for a Friday afternoon when when I played rugby league, and then like yeah, super rugby of a night time to watch and rugby league, and and like watching as well. So I was glued to the TV when the games were on, and then when I wasn't, I was out there playing. So um, just saying, I really enjoyed, really formed some really good friendships. Like I said before, that's what it's all about: having fun with your mates, and um, yeah, that's 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 sort of where it all began, and then just grew from there. Yeah, you played SG Ball at the Canary Bulldogs compared to you playing hooker when you're playing Union. What position did you play at league? I played prop or second row. So it wasn't too dissimilar. Um, I, I really enjoyed rugby league and, you know, I, I enjoyed the challenge. It was a different type, type of game, but, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed and love rugby league. How come you chose Union instead of league? Uh, I always... Uh, I always played rugby union. I had a bit of a break playing rugby league for about four years when I went first went to high school. Yep. Um, and I think at the end of the day, I had a better opportunity. Oh, I got offered a contract at the Bulldogs for for another couple of years, but then I also got offered a scholarship at Sydney Uni. Um, so I took the scholarship and decided to live at college study and play rugby all in the one place and um, I thought that was the best decision for me at that time and worked out to be yeah the right one yeah was education always something <clears throat> that you made a priority uh, no <laughs> I uh, I mean I always I went I went to a, a very good high uh, high school and um, I was very lucky I got tr- I got treated very well I got um, I had teachers there that were very dedicated to helping me out and stuff but I probably uh, put 60% towards my rugby and 40% to my academics. <laughs> um, but it, it was always important to me to what was next. Um, and my parents always said that you just got to go to uni and do something. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So, um, but yeah, got a, got a undergrad degree and, um, hopefully that'll set, set me in good stead for the next chapter of my career. Yeah, but you don't know plenty else. You know, I saw on your profile, you've got a diploma in finance and mortgage. You're also currently studying, your master's of project management as well. So is this a, a step towards looking to after your footy career? Oh, 100%. Um, I think going to uni and studying 
uh, even though I, I did a quite a broad degree, it really um, made me think about what I wanted to do. Um, I did an arts and science degree, so very broad, and I actually had to figure out um, through some failings of what I didn't want to do, um, and then it led me in the direction of what I started enjoying. Um, and then, obviously, like studying is quite an art, you know, with referencing and um, putting essays together and research and stuff. It's it's it, it's it's not easy. So, like, you actually have to de- be dedicated to it. And um, yeah, like I, I wouldn't say I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it made me go in a direction of find things that I did enjoy. Yep. Um, the the project management something that I could see myself doing in the future, um, and that sort of led me down this path and doing a master's. So I actually quite enjoy doing this course, currently doing it at the moment. And, yeah, the Diploma of Finance and Mortgage Broking was something um, in the middle, had an opportunity to, yeah, get qualified and do a bit of mortgage broking while I was playing. And, yeah, it's something, again, that's something I enjoy doing um, and provided me with a good opportunity. Yeah, when I spoke to Matt Samura a couple of weeks ago, because he's doing his MBA as well, and he was telling me of how it's like a, it's a great distraction to have something away from footy, and it also gives him an opportunity to get a little bit more efficient with his time management. Are you finding something similar? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's uh, it, you, you have to be very, especially with online learning, you have to be very dedicated, and I find routine is, is crucial. Um I literally finished my exams last week and before that had a couple of weeks off. So now trying to get back into it is quite difficult. But once you're into it, you've got a routine set, it actually becomes quite quite easy. Um, and it's it's not difficult to balance once you've got that happening. Um, I still get out and do stuff with the boys and train and do everything else I want to do. It's just an hour, you know, pretty much most days and you're on top of all your work. So it's just finding that time and being dedicated to do it and yeah, um, but I do find it's a good good avenue to get away. Once you finish training, you're totally switching your mindset onto something else. And whether you've had a good day or a bad day, it can um, just yeah uh, take your take your mindset somewhere else. Yeah, is this something that's kind of starting a trend across the entire team for people to make more of a reflection and try to you know organize something before they finish, whether it's study or some people might be doing work experience or setting up businesses. Are you seeing more of that within the team environment now? Uh, you do see it in parts, but um, I still don't think it's enough. I mean, I feel like I'm doing all the right things to put myself in the best position possible, but it still scares the hell out of me to know that, you know, what's next. Yeah. Um, I mean, we live a very good lifestyle, extremely lucky. We get to travel the world. We get looked after extremely well. But, you know, that could all come to an extreme halt. And it's just like, what do you do next? Mm. So I, I find that a very daunting prospect. And that's something I probably, that's probably one of my biggest fears, to be honest, um, is what's next. Yep. I'm enjoying the here and now, but it's also you want to be prepared for that. Um, so you, you, there's many stories going around about people that have struggled with it. And, um, yeah, I don't know if you can always be the best prepared, but if you're doing something, it's better than nothing, I guess. So, um, yeah, it's something that I think is getting um, looked at uh, in today's game, but I think there can be more to be done with that in that regard. Yeah, Nathan, you just mentioned the fear of what's next. You know, you grew up with cystic fibrosis, which we'll talk about in more detail in a minute. But in terms of that, you know, when you first got diagnosed, from what I was reading, they said to your parents that you might not make it past 10. Some people have a life expectancy of 37 
How do you kind of, in your own mind, your own mindset towards the the disease that you actually have, you're carrying with you, plus having to end a sporting career, how does that all work in your own mind? And yeah, how do you treat that all? To be honest, mate, that's the first time I've really ever thought about it when you put it like that. So um, I, I, I don't really know how to answer that question. But um, I guess... Uh, I guess being brought up with that condition, I've built up quite a strong or a thick skin, as into adversity and how to overcome this stuff. And yeah. um, I've, I've always, I've got, the, I've got a very hardworking attitude, and you know, you've got to work hard to get where you want in life. So um, hopefully that will reflect in my next career. Hopefully that's not for another like four, five, six years, but when it does come, hopefully I'm in a good position. Um, but to be honest, I'd really like to do some motivational speaking or leadership talking. Um, with what I've experienced with my condition growing up and obviously yeah. playing rugby and being the only professional athlete playing a contact sport with cystic fibrosis, I think I have a good story and I can help help people out there, not only raise awareness for cystic fibrosis around the world, but also uh, be uh, a symbol of, I guess, hope to not only people that have CF, but um, people that are just struggling with adversity because that's what I like to mm. see my message as, not just I don't want to be an inspiration to people that have CF, but people that are facing challenges, how to overcome them and, you know, when adversity is in your face, like not to sit down but then stand up and take it take it head on and, you know, overcome that. I think that's what people should be defined about, not how they get put down but how they get back up. So I'd really like to get into motivational speaking um, or public speaking of some sort uh, along along the way. Yeah, with cystic fibrosis... When did you get comfortable actually speaking about it? Was it something that you you tried to hide when you were a child? Yeah, well, yeah, I don't, hide. Yeah, that's probably a good word. Um, we just something we disguised a little bit. We, as a family, I, I think um, when I was growing up, we heard some stories about people being discriminated against. Um, CF at the time wasn't very well known, um, and people didn't fully understand it, and people still don't understand it today. Um, so that's what we, we decided just as a family will um, manage it quite well. And then it wasn't until probably 2010 when I made my debut or be, played professionally for the first time that I felt comfortable talking about it um, because I, I wanted to achieve something for myself and not have this lingering um, thing to the side where people were talking about it and maybe going, oh, how good would that be if he did this and not having that sort of sympathy feel rather I've achieved something and then you can sort of come out with it and I think people would have more respect that way. Yeah, just so the listeners that might not know too much about it, can you just tell us exactly what it is and how it might affect your ability to do things or if it doesn't at all? Yeah, um, so cystic fibrosis is the most uh, common genetic condition in Caucasians worldwide. Um, uh, It's it basically is a thick, sticky mucus that clogs the airways, um, causing an irreversible lung damage and, in some cases, an early death. Um, it affects the pancreas, the digestive system, um, obviously the lungs. Um, so, yeah, it can um, be quite detrimental. Um, in many cases, people have to take um, uh, enzymes, tablets, to get on, get on weight because their, their pancreas doesn't work. Um, so they have to take tablets to help them digest food. So many um, cystic fibrosis sufferers uh, are very thin 
I guess, or struggle to put weight on, um, whereas my pancreas um, works fine. So obviously I, I, I have got a fair bit of weight on me. And, um, yeah, so uh, I guess that's the simplest terms of what cystic fibrosis is. And I guess for some people that are really effect, affected quite poorly, um, they describe it as trying to breathe through a straw. That's how um, they describe their breathing. So, I mean, if, wow. if you guys want to go give that a Air capacity can be quite tough, so um, yeah, the lung capacities of some people go go really, really low, so and they struggle big time. Yeah, what's the kind of day to day maintenance that you have to do? Uh, for me personally, it's about you know um, medications. I'm I'm constantly on um, antibiotics. Uh, I find exercise is, is huge. Yep. So being a professional athlete is um, very good. But if I wasn't an athlete, I'd make sure I'd be I was exercising every day. Um, I think that's a, a, a huge, a huge factor in why I'm so healthy. And then just general uh, hygiene. Um, I take my vitamins. Uh, I try to keep my immune system as strong as possible. I look after myself. Um, and just like little things like if someone else is sick, I try and keep my distance and stuff. So because um, I know if I get a simple cold, it's going to snowball into something else. And, you know, I don't want to go down that path. So it's just being aware. Um, and then... Uh, knowledge is power. I understand the, the, most of the time the infections that I have and what I need to do to overcome them. So when I start to feel a bit off, go see a doctor and get on top of it before it could get on top of me. So, um, yeah, knowledge is power, and I, I do think exercise is, is, a, is a fundamental key to uh, why I've been so healthy. Yeah, Nathan, what's it like now that you're living in the UK? Obviously, it's a lot colder than it is here in Australia. Does that affect you at all? Uh, I really don't know, to be honest. I, I don't know how you could really, uh, really, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just colder on the lungs earlier in the morning, but, um, no, nah, I, I don't really, I don't really know if it affects me in any way. So yeah, I prefer the warmth, but yeah. Don't know. <laughs> Do you have to go for a yearly checkup with your doctors just to see where you're at with the progress and things like that as well? Yeah, yeah, you do have annual checkups, but I try and every six months do it, get on the checkups. But in saying that, when I'm when I'm back at home in my routine, I'm seeing the I'm seeing the the nurse every like four to six weeks, just doing some tests and, and making sure I'm, my my lung function's up there and I don't have any infections and all that sort of stuff. So I do I did have a pretty good routine when I was back at home. Um, it's probably been one of the biggest challenges being over here is just building those relationships with doctors and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm in, I'm in a pretty good state. I've got good relationships here, um, and yeah, every now and again, if you're not feeling so well, you've got to go in for uh, some IV treatments in hospital for a couple of weeks. So um, obviously, you want to stay out of there for as long as possible because that's not the most fun. Yeah, in terms of you know your inner circle and the support they give you, I know that your wife she's a former professional netballer and she's also got type one diabetes. Has that made it simpler? The fact that she kind of understands the fact that you're a professional athlete, plus you've got something on the side that you have to manage as well. Yeah, well, she's, she's still playing. She's not former. but oh, she's still uh, playing. Yeah, no, she's still playing. Oh, yeah, she's I'm still retired. Playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's still cracking along. Um, no, it, it, she, like, she's amazing. Um, that's you know, really all there is to say about that. She's so supportive. Um, yeah, being, being a professional athlete herself, um, she understands the pressures. Um, 
what comes with the game, injuries, performance, um, good days, bad days. Like she, she understands, and yeah, she's phenomenal. Um, and I guess her having diabetes as well, like uh, having to deal with something, we never like compare notes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, she has something she deals with. I have something I deal with. You respect that. You understand it. Um, so then you know how to support each other the best way you possibly can. So, um, yeah, she she knows how to ask all the right questions at the right time, and um, she's really supportive. And yeah, like she's she's amazing. Very lucky to be married to her. Yeah. Guys, we're going to take a short break in the podcast. I want to play you a quick snippet of our last episode with eight-time BMX and mountain bike world champion Caroline Buchanan. In fact, growing up, our family home was burnt down by the Canberra bushfires and like I lost everything. Yep. And then my brother, he ended up having a major injury and he was like a quadriplegic, paraplegic and then had surgery and regained feeling. He doesn't race anymore, but you know, like those times, you just those reality adversity moments, um, yeah, they sparked this fire in me. So when I was in like that lane eight for the final, I was like, bring it on like yeah well, I don't know like I love that moment um yeah and I was in front of the Olympic champion by the second jump and went on to get the fastest lap time for this Emmy and had lane one for the final and that guys was the episode with Caroline please go through the whole backlog of episodes currently in there we've had the likes of Mark Hunt Robbie Madison if you're really into your rugby if you're tuning into today's show we've had the likes of Nathan Sharp David Campisi, Carmichael Hunt, and Matt Zamour on the show. So please subscribe for free via iTunes. If you haven't got access via iTunes, you can also catch the show at www.talkingwithtk.com. But let's get back to it, and here's the podcast with Nathan. One of the things, because you've had some like serious injuries as well. You tore your peck against the, the All Blacks. You've had a couple of knee and shoulder issues as well. When that happens, in terms of trying to get through it and get through the rehab, what keeps you motivated during that period? Yeah, there's yeah some dark days. Um, yeah, I did my knee in 2013, um, so I had a knee reconstruction. Um, that was my first major injury. That was a little bit easier because even though it was a long period out, like it was my first major injury, um, and I had very good support around me. Um, and I don't know, just the motivation to. Uh, I guess get back and get back stronger. Um, just after I did my injury, I got told that I was close to getting the Wallabies call up, so that was a bit of a um, driving factor and motivating factor. Um, so then I wanted to get back and you know make that Wallaby squad, which I did the following year. Um, and then yeah, in one of those Wallaby games, tore the peck off my bone in uh, the All Blacks game, and that was probably the hardest. That was the hardest thing. I didn't realise it at the time, but um, you know I was in the prime of like. I was I was playing some very good rugby. I was in a really good position, and then it just literally all got torn away. Um, and you know, it was like I haven't been back there, so it was extremely tough. Um, I remember tearing tearing it off, and I knew something wasn't right. Played on for about five minutes, couldn't move my arm, and then just remember going, "It's done." Like, and walking up the change rooms, I can remember it so so vividly. I walked into change rooms, sat on the ground in front of my locker and just like just cried not because of the 
not because of the pain, but just because of I knew where I was and I'd just been torn away, like literally torn away from me. So um, that was extremely heartbreaking and really, even to this day, it's really hard to hard to accept um, at times. Um, but, you know, that comes with the sport and then you move on and <clears throat> unfortunately some circumstances changed uh, in the structure of the ARU and then um, I did get back from my injury quick, a bit quicker than um, I anticipated, ended up doing myself a disservice, not playing so well, and then, um, yeah, ended up having to have had a shoulder reconstruction last year, and that's when I decided, you know, I've got to make a change, something's got to change, and I needed a fresh start, so uh, Europe Europe it was, and I'm hoping that now I, that's the end of my injuries, and, um, yeah, I can just keep taken away and playing some get back to the form and just get back to enjoying rugby yeah as i did back in the day so that's the biggest thing yeah touch wood it all goes well mate but in terms of you getting injured in that spot is it something that you know you talked about being upset is it because of the competitiveness within the team that you know that if you're going to be out for an extended period of time someone's going to jump up the ladder and take your spot and you might not ever get back is that kind of where the disappointment lies in that sort of area uh I, I try not to think about external factors too much, but it was more about that you sometimes think uh, if I didn't get injured, I'd st- would I still be, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, So it's not so much about, because like, at the end of the day, coaches, they they have their thoughts and opinions on certain players, whether, whether you know, so at the end of the day, um, it's, their decision, it's, their, it's their decision. So um, it's not about the other players. So if I'm playing good enough, I'm going to get picked, and if they like me, I'm going to get picked. So that's just the way it is. Just taking you back your test debut, you know, you, you debut against France off the bench. Where did you get the call up from? Because I think it was you and Mackenzie was coaching at the time. I'm, I'm by memory. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. That's right. Was it you and that gave you a call? Was it someone else? How did that all come about? Yeah, it was actually. Uh, it was a. I'm pretty sure it was a voicemail from him, and then he. Uh, he called. He called me up, and then uh, I got got on the phone to him, and then he, he he told me, and I'm pretty sure I was just driving into my driveway at home back in Perth, and he told me, and then um, that that was initially that I was in the squad, um, and then who pardon me, it was um, the first game of the June tests. Uh, Stephen Moore got injured, and then it's pretty much the next week. He's like, "Yep, yeah, you're in." So it was, uh, yeah, mate, he was he was great. He was really manage people very well so um made you feel very welcome and that you've earned you just earned your spot and then you're not here just because of something else but you've actually earned earned it all so i mean that was the most satisfying thing yeah because you you were in squads previously in terms of i think you were in a pre-world cup squad that were in the training camp together so you did a lot of hard work to actually get into that position that you did yeah, yeah. I mean, you, that's that's what's got to be done. So a lot of quality players around. So you got you got to do the graft. Yeah. What do you actually? Cookies. What do you actually remember about the actual test? Uh, I I remember it was like I think only in I think in my first test I only played like eight minutes or something. I just remember, you know, it was a really tight game. We ended up winning six nil. So I mean, it was an extremely tight game. Um, and I just remember going, come on, just. Every time we looked over to the bench, I was like, so it was my turn, my turn. And <laughs> if, eventually, like, yeah, he called up myself and Laurie Weeks. And um, I, I played at Sydney Uni with Laurie. So it was 
it was such a cool feeling to be able to run the field with him and um, have that experience with him. Yeah, what were you like during the national anthem? Uh, actually, I don't remember the national anthem of that game um, at all, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I don't remember much about that first game. I remember more about my starting debut in Sydney. That was a bit more. Um, I was I was pretty nervous for that. So yeah. And the starting debut that was against the All Blacks, wasn't it? That, yeah, it was against the All Blacks. Yeah, that was that was really cool. It was in my home home hometown of Sydney, so I had I had all my good schoolmates there. They all wore big cheese hats and um, nice. uh, yeah, had all the family and stuff there. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, that was an incredible experience. Nathan, when you play against the uh, team such as the All Blacks, especially when you you were playing against them in the national team, like they literally had one of the greatest teams of all time. When you when you lose to them and you see them play on a regular basis as well, what's that learning experience from a situation where you, you know that you're playing against the greatest team maybe ever in the world? Um, I think when it comes to New Zealand, I'm a big fan of New Zealand rugby. I just think the way they go about stuff, developing players, treating players, all that sort of stuff, I think they've, I think they've got it right, and I think that reflects in their performances. Um, I think the humility of the players um, is... Second to none. Um, but that first test that I started against them, we it was a twelve-ball draw, and um, it was it was such a weird feeling after the game because I felt like we'd done enough to beat them, but we just couldn't get it across the line. Um, and I remember Kevin Mialamu. I, I was sort of sat on the ground, and Kevin Mialamu came over and gave me a hand up and just said, "Mate, you've you've." You've played so well. You've earned your decision. You've earned your spot here, and you know we'll be seeing a lot more of you. Um, and I just think in a time like that, after such a tough uh, test match, that's something that really stuck out to me. Um, each player, even the coach Steve Hansen, came up to me after the game and you know congratulated me and all that sort of stuff. And I just think the respect of the players and um, they see rugby for what it is. They enjoy um, playing. They put it in the graph, but then after the game, they they'll enjoy themselves and enjoy the opposition too and I think like I've gone back to it a number of times rugby's about enjoyment and playing with your mates so and I think they've got a really good balance um so yeah it, they're a great team for a reason Nathan I saw that you were doing some work with Cameron down at the flow center can you talk about some of that sort of mindset stuff that you do with him yeah, um, yeah, Cam, Cam's been uh yeah he's been he's been great I sort of it was really odd because when I was working with him, I was in Perth and he was in the UK and now he's back in Perth and I'm in the UK, so we've done a bit of a swap. But, like, yeah, he, I think the mental side of sport is is not untapped but not used as much as it probably should be. Yep. I think mental attitude towards games, trainings, all that sort of stuff, that's where it's won or lost. Um, yeah, he, he, he gave me a few techniques um, to use. Uh, we, we sort of worked in depth about uh, what gets me going, triggers that I can use, and, and all those things talked about, like, you know, fears and then overcoming those fears and, again, techniques. And I think a lot of the things that he used were were quite, uh, not not basic, but they were simple enough to you go, wow, that's like I've got something out of that. And it's something that you can go back to and reflect on uh, again and again and again. It's just pretty much it's like riding a bike. You just got to you got to practice it. Yep. Yeah. Um. So he gave me that confidence, and yeah, he, he, we worked uh, a lot together um, with that. And yeah, I really really enjoyed working with him. He was great to work with, and uh, obviously being a, a former 
uh, athlete himself. Um, he understands the pressures uh, of performance, injury, all that sort of stuff. So it was nice to be able to uh, talk with someone in that regard um, that has that experience. Yeah. What other things are you doing? Because I know when I speak to a lot of athletes, some of them are big into doing gratitude every day. Some of them are big into goal setting, writing things down like that. What's your approach to those sort of things? Yeah, uh, I think goals are very important. Um, you've got to know where you want to go in life, so uh, having a bit of direction is important. Uh, and also setting yourself challenges. Uh, I'm more about, I think, balance and well-being. Um, I think it's important to have really good balance in life, and uh, I think if you're happy, your family's happy and everything, but there's more chances you're going to be successful, uh, especially if you're enjoying it. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about happiness, so just making a good balance in life, making sure I, I tick all the boxes on and off the field, and yeah, that's that's all what does it for me. Yeah. Nath, you, you touched on leadership before. In terms of good traits that you see in good leaders and probably want to establish in yourself, and then specific people that you probably look for as an influence or a mentor, well, who are those in your life and some of those traits that you, you desire to have, or like seeing in other people uh, I think if I keep it rugby related um, Nathan Sharp was a, a very good leader I thought um, he had a really he had a good relationship with the, with the players like he was someone for the boys like yeah. um, he you could talk to him honestly and he would give you an honest answer back whether you're right or wrong um, and he would also reason with you so uh, you know, as a as a hooker, for example, like I was throwing the ball in the line, and he was catching the ball most of the time. So, if I said, "I can we try this?" or "I didn't like that," he would work with you, um, and he was never stubborn. Um, but when it came time to put his foot down, he knew the right times. Yep. Um, so I just I felt building a good rapport, having good relationships, and good communication. I think that's what I've got out of um, good leaders like uh, Nathan and um, yeah and. Tim Davidson as well. Um, probably many people won't know that name, but he's a he's a hero back at Sydney Uni um, and has played some professional rugby as well. He's very similar traits to, to Sharpie. Um, just the rapport with the players, the relationships, and the communication was just uh, impeccable. So that's something I'd really like to strive to be um, going forward. Yeah, what about away from the field and away from rugby? Is there any other people that you might follow and just like being inspired by on a daily basis? Um, geez, uh, you're asking all the tough questions, aren't you? <laughs> um, Sorry, mate. I've, I've, I mean, I've, you build you build relationships with people. I've got some mentors, um, you know, business related and stuff, and friendship related outside of people that you go to for advice and ask questions and whatever. But I mean, I, I don't think I really have anyone that inspires me. Like, um, my wife's a big inspiration. She's she's an extremely hard worker, and she like. She she's always um, grafting, you know, to be the best she can be. So she sort of pushes me to get to the next level too. Uh, and plus, I never want her to get one up on me. So we're a bit competitive <laughs> like that. That's awesome. All right, Nate, we're going to finish off with just a few personality questions. The first one: Do you have any superstitions? Yes, but I'm sort of breaking away from that a little bit. I I, I I get superstitions and then I lose them and then I get something else and then I lose it. So I try to go away from superstitions, but um, yeah, uh, yes. At the moment, I don't really have one that sticks to mind. But um, I, I used to be really OCD with like even 
numbers or if I touch my left leg, I've got to touch my right leg or, <laughs> you know, I can't clap one time, I've got to clap two. It's always going to be an even number. So, um, but yeah, I've sort of gone away. I've, I try to break the mold a little bit. I try to challenge myself and go, no, no, because I, I never, I never want to get stuck into a position where if I don't do something, I go, oh crap, I'm going to have a bad game or something. So yeah. I try to break those molds as much as I can. Yeah. Nate, what was your favorite playing ground? Ah, uh, oh wow. Um, I'd have to, I'd, I'd have to say, uh, NIB, um, uh, back at, back in Perth. Um, I, I, I was really, my early days, uh, it was actually called members equity back in the day, but it was just, it was just, we used to get massive crowds. Um, it was nice and close to the field. Like you couldn't hear anything. Um, so yeah, uh, oh, but I played, I started Marcel Michelin in France. That was an amazing ground too. Uh, that was when I played for Clermont last year. Yeah. Impeccable crowd, um, great ground. So yeah, those are the two I'd have to say. Yeah, Nate, the Western Force now not no longer in the Super Rugby. You played there for so long, and I spoke to Sharpie about it as well. And obviously, he wasn't happy about them getting taken out of the, the comp. What's your feelings on the whole thing, mate? Yeah, look, I mean. As, as a rugby decision, uh, I definitely think it's the wrong decision. You need rugby uh, to be a national game, and now it's not. As a business decision, um, you know, obviously the force got themselves into a position where they weren't able to to uh, function financially, and they put themselves in a position where they were owned by the administrators. And I guess just from on from the outside, you know, it makes it an easy an easy decision financially for the AOU didn't. So, uh, yeah, to be honest, I think it's disappointing that the people at the force allowed it to get to that stage um, and that the fact that we didn't have control at the end, I think that was the the melting point. Um, it's disappointing. Um, I'm disappointed for more for the people yeah. um, that, you know, the supporters pretty much because they fought so hard and didn't have control over it um oh yeah it, it angers me a bit so uh yeah the people that are allowed to get to that stage it's really disappointing yeah it does leave a pretty big hole especially for winter sports because you know over in perth i know that perth glory and also the wildcats they're very well supported that's a summer they're both summer sports it kind of leaves a huge gap now in that over there in the west for the winter doesn't it yeah i mean afl's just uh just got a bigger bigger loop uh bigger uh, foot in the ground now don't they so yeah um yeah again disappointing that's all i can really say yeah for sure all right nathan i'm just going to take you back to your childhood what posters did you have on your bedroom wall growing up posters uh i think i had some surfing posters or skating posters to be honest um yeah, surfer, were you? I, I uh i tried to um <laughs> Actually had a, a a thing of David Campisi. David Campisi was a, a a hero of mine when I was growing up. Oh wow! He actually came on the yeah. show. It was episode ten. It was awesome. Oh, he's a great fellow. Yeah, yeah, he's a very nice guy. All right, final question, Nathan. You're going to be hosting a private dinner party. You've got five invites. Now, only rules: no family or friends, but it can be anyone, dead or alive. Who would you like to invite? Will Ferrell. Um, He's he's definitely about there. Just probably one of the funniest guys. Um, Mark, I think Mark Wahlberg. I think those two, you know, work very well in movies together. And plus, I I love Entourage. So I'd love to just hear more about his life. And he seems like a seems like a a legend. So I'd love to get in that there. That was a great uh, series. What do you think of the movie? I, I liked it. I, I I like Entourage. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. 
I, I liked it. Some people don't, but I just I like one of those movies I could just watch and watch and watch. So yeah, for me, I was the same. I just thought, you know, we hadn't seen them for a couple of years, and I just loved seeing them all together. I think they're just hilarious. Yeah, no, it's a great show. Um, oh, yeah, you know, I probably. Oh, Probably chuck Donald Trump in there just for the sake of it. Actually, no, I wouldn't because there's too many Americans. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe Adolf Hitler. Um, He's just, intriguing. Yeah, I, I just think I studied history and I've got a German um, German background and stuff, so I just really like to know what was going through his head when some of the decisions he made. And um, yeah, I, I just think it would be a pretty uh, controversial figure as well so might add some spice to the table yeah have you had a chance uh, to go to berlin i haven't been to berlin i'd love to but oh, man, um beautiful. I, I love it yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely one place i want to get to um i don't know maybe uh gordon ramsay uh so he can cook and also yeah <laughs> that's some great I'll probably, I'll probably have to get some women in there though wouldn't i i don't know you put me on the spot it's just things that have come to my head so yeah <laughs> Well, Nathan, really appreciate you joining me on the show today. Before I let you go, everyone get following Nathan online. He's www.nathancharles.com.au. He's very active on his Twitter. He's Nathan Charles 2 or his Facebook, Nathan Charles CF. Nathan, thanks so much for joining me on the show today, man. I really appreciate all your open and honest answers. And, yeah, if you ever want to come back on, just let me know. No worries. Thanks a lot, Tristan. I appreciate your time. Guys, we hope you enjoyed the episode with Nathan Charles. If you liked it, please share it with your family and friends. Take me on any posts on social media. Probably the easiest way is Twitter. I'm at Talking with TK. Same thing on Facebook, where you can find my personal page at Tristan Cannell, spelled K apostrophe N E L L. Instagram, I'm at Tristan Nell. So please connect with me. Let me know what you think of the show. Send me an email at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Happy to hear any guest suggestions or any way I can improve the show. So please. Get in touch. Guys, I'm going to leave you with a preview for the next episode. Next show is going to be with former Wallabies and ACT winger Clyde Rathbone. So here's the preview with with Clyde. Thank you again for tuning into the show. Like I said, if you could just help me continue to grow the show, and the best way is to tell people about the show. And yeah, please connect with me online. I'll see you soon. So it, it, it wasn't hard for me not to sing the anthem and I'm not one for nationalism and uh, even, you know, aggressive patriotism is not something that I find uh, particularly attractive. So, you know, I sang the Australian anthem. Um, it was, it was a conflict of emotions and you know, I'm standing there and hearing the South African anthem and just in that moment thinking about how, you know, life, you, you set off on these paths, you never know, quite know where you're going to end up and then, I never could have predicted that one day I would have been in Kings Park, which was the stadium where I went to watch all my childhood heroes play, and I'd be yeah. singing Australian Anthem.